It's been said that the reason a dog has so many friends is that he wags his tail more than his tongue. It's an interesting thought. Quite possibly you're sitting in here when you think about the tongue, you stop and think about that, and probably most of us in here could raise our hand and say, I have been hurt by somebody else's tongue. Or you could raise your hand and say, I have hurt somebody by the use of my tongue, if we're honest. Maybe it's been a spouse, as maybe there's been an argument in the home, and maybe as the argument escalated, the tongue was exposing words, espousing words that were not kind and, and not building one another up. Quite possibly it was a tongue from a parent in your upbringing as a, as a mother or a father that was unruly, and a mother or a father that would speak words that would tear down instead of lift up. Quite possibly it was a teacher, maybe in the classroom, a teacher that, that thought teaching from a point of destruction instead of a point of encouragement was, was the way to teach. Maybe it was a coach that instead of giving instruction of how to play the sport, they thought it was better to, to, to break you down and, and chew you up in terms of the words and attack your character. Maybe it's a boss you've had at one time or another. Somebody who has used their words to hurt and to destroy, and even to this day you still wrestle with that. James addresses this for us today. Let me remind you what he told us last week. Verse 18 of chapter 2 says, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Remember, we're on this journey walking through the book of James, and James writes this letter to the Christians who were scattered abroad. And remember, they were scattered because of persecution. This is right around the time when Stephen had had lost his life and was stoned because of his faith. And so James writes this letter to the Christians and scatters it to the 12 tribes saying, as Christians, here's how you're to live your lives in a way that honors Christ, in a way that still lifts up the kingdom, even in the midst of difficult times. And so this letter is so relevant to us today. This letter is so relevant because today as Christians, we still need to be guided and directed. How do I live my life in this in this culture that we're in today, and James dressed things like when you're going through trials, here's how you should live as a Christian. Or uh, standing up to temptations because temptation's going to come. Here's how you live your life as a Christian. Or, or the idea of not playing favorites, no favoritism, how we love everybody, how we don't, we don't give one person special attention and, and not give that same kind of attention to somebody else. And James is saying, put this faith to action. And let me remind you, this letter that we're studying, this book of James, this is written to the church. It, it is written to those who say, I believe in Jesus as Savior. It's written to those who believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection and, and have accepted that and said, He's my Lord and Savior. And so this is an encouragement to those who are Christians. Now, if you're in this room today and you say, I'm not sure if I'm there yet. We're glad you're here. We warmly welcome you. You get a chance, though, to hear the call of how Christians are to live. And so if you're investigating things of faith, I had a gentleman come to me last week and said, I'm not sure about this Christianity stuff, but I like this church, and I'm learning, and I'm growing, and I, and I want to know who this Christ is. And so as he's learning and growing, this is a great book to understand and say, oh, if I'm going to be Christian, this is the call of how to live my life. And I do apologize to you if you've seen it not lived out that way because sometimes we Christians, we blow it. Sometimes we just mess up. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. 
And church, listen closely. Listen closely to the word of James because he directs us on our speech today. James chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Father, Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What is James saying here? It's pretty simple and clear. Someone before this sermon first service was asking me and said they enjoy the book of James. I said, I like the book of James because it's not big theological, doctrinal things to understand. It's very practical, and here's how to live life. And this is pretty simple. If James was here today, he'd be telling us, watch your mouth. He'd be straight up telling us, control your tongue. He would be telling us, your words do matter. You cannot speak words and say, ah, oh, well, that's just who I am. We have to stop and think about what we say. The, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. James would say, that's a big fat lie. It's something that we've shared and, and will say to try to protect our heart or try to protect our mind, but truth is, words do hurt. James is really concerned about the tongue. In this short little book, I mean, he addresses the tongue several times. For instance, in chapter 1, verse 19, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Remember, open ears. And he says, slow to speak. Let's talk about the tongue. Slow to speak and then slow to become angry. So he's concerned about what's coming out of your mouth. In chapter 1, verse 26, he says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceives themselves. I mean, he's laying out pretty straight. You've got to control your tongue. And he says, and their religion is worthless. And for them, as James explained that, religion there was explained a little bit differently than what we see it now, but our religion, our belief, what James is trying to say, your belief in Jesus, your belief in Christ, you're you're saying that, that you believe in him as being your Savior. When you don't control your tongue, that's a bunch of hogwash is what he's saying. And so James is getting back to this whole idea. If you have faith, then show it. If you have faith, then live it out. And so instead of digging into this passage and trying to break it down, because it's pretty self-explanatory. 
And James gives us pretty directly, listen, your tongue, it's like a small spark. You can start a fire. Your, your tongue, it's a small part, but how do you control it like a, a rudder that's on a ship? And so James is telling us that. I want to talk with you today about how to get control of the tongue. How do you have a tongue that, that honors God? How do you have a tongue that, that benefits and, and builds up instead of tears down and destroys? So let me share with you today five actions that all of us, I believe, can take to help get better control of our tongue. Action number one is this. Fill your mind with God's Word. Fill your mind with God's Word. I, I probably said this, I don't know how many times this year, in different sermon series. This needs to be a steady diet in your life. For some people, that looks like every day I get up in the morning and I read a little bit of God's Word. For some people, that is, I'm not a big reader, and so I listen to God's Word. For some people, it's just taking one or two verses and saying, I'm going to live with those verses this week. There's many different ways to fill your mind with God's Word. But if you don't fill your mind with God's Word, then that's not going to come out of you. All the stuff of the world's going to come out. I find one suggestion, especially if it's a struggle for you and, and what you're saying and how you're speaking, and maybe it's not exactly the words you say, but maybe it's the tone you're, you're speaking. One suggestion that was given to me some years ago that has been helpful through my life is to read a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs, and so you'd basically cover the month of Proverbs. You have to double up on the months where we don't have 31 days for the last chapter. But you read a proverb a day and read, read one chapter of James a day. If you do that, you read through Proverbs once a month and you read through James about five or six times a month, you start getting wisdom in your, in your mind and you'll start running across verses that speak to the tongue and you just look for those and you highlight those and you pull those out and you say, Lord, help me get better control over my tongue. For example, here's one in Proverbs chapter 11. It says, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. I mean, that's good wisdom. Sometimes it's better just to close our mouth versus speaking out against somebody. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Some people make cutting remarks, I mean, but the words of the wise bring healing. James could say, listen, when you make cutting remarks, you're a fool. But someone who is wise brings words of healing. Sometimes we need to practice that. Another idea is to memorize Scripture. Take out your bulletin for a moment. Pick up your bulletin. I want you to just look at this because sometimes I think we forget it's in there. You take your bulletin. If you just tear this off, this is designed for you to have a Scripture memory challenge that you can have week by week. You tear that out and maybe you put that as a bookmark inside your Bible as you're reading to review it. Or you put this in your car and you, you put it on your steering wheel where you see it every single day. Or maybe you put it on your mirror so when you're getting ready to mourn and that verse is before you and you make it a verse a week that you read and you practice and you memorize. Maybe you put it um, on your computer so it's there in the corner of your computer screen. Somewhere where you see God's Word. That's why we provide this for you. We have a huge value and desire that you're putting Scripture into your mind, into your heart, because when you put Scripture in, then that's what's able to come out of you. And so I would encourage you maybe to work at memorizing Scripture, but we've got to be people who fill our mind with God's Word. Second action is this, is to think first. Think first. A young mother asks her kids a question on a regular basis, and the question is, are your words flames? Or are they flowers? That helps your children realize that they have a choice to make. They can, they can plant beautiful flowers with their words or they can unleash a raging fire. What are, what are our words? 
Are they helping somebody? Are they hurting somebody? Uh, using the acronym THINK, maybe here's five questions you can do to, to help you stop and think first. One, is it true? What I'm about to speak right now, is it true or is this gossip? And many times we speak something as truth when really we don't have all the truth. We don't know all the details and sometimes it'd be better not to speak it. Is it helpful? Will your words help bring about a solution to a problem? In other words, when you go to speak into something, is it going to help or is it just going to add more more, um, noise to the solution? Is it inspiring? Will your words build someone up? Do your words help people out? See, if it doesn't help inspire, help someone feel better about themselves, then sometimes we shouldn't speak it. Is it necessary? Do we have to say anything at all? I think sometimes in situations we feel like we just have to get our point in. Sometimes it's good wisdom to stop and sit back and wait until someone says, well, what do you think about this situation? Or what's your input in this situation? Versus just going, I've got to get my mind in there and I've got to get my words in there. And is it kind? Are your words based on a desire to help? Many times we speak words just on a base of desire of selfishness. And, and let me think about this one with you and, and encourage you in this one. Think first. We were talking about this a little bit before service with some in the tech team. Church, I want to encourage you. Think first in this political sco- scope that we're in right now before you speak. Please, church, stop the social media ripping and roaring and going. I sit and I see the church and the things that sometimes we're saying in our social media realm about our political scape, and i got to tell you, it's not helping the situation. And sometimes I hear some of the discussions that are going on with individuals. It does not help the situation most of the time. And sometimes I think we'd be much better off to think first and, and use this little acronym and go, is it true, is it helpful, is it your necessary kind? Most of the time what's being shared out there and all, the, and all the chatting and all the comments that are being shared, most of the time it's not helping. And realistically, what's going on in our political realm right now, most of the time when we speak, it's a lose, 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 lose situation. No matter what side of the coin you fall on, no matter what political party you're cheering for, most of the time it's a lose situation because here's who does not win is Christ does not win. And as the church, we want to be able to speak words that are kind and uplifting and build others up because we want Christ to win. And that's what James is getting here. He wants us to use words that honor God because we want people to know Christ. Sometimes I've been asked, Brian, you haven't said anything. You haven't posted much about political scape. And I say, no, I don't because I don't want people to care about what I say about that. I want them to know Jesus. And quite honestly, if I say my opinion, it's probably going to distract them away from Jesus because I'm going to look like everybody else who has all their opinions. The election's going to happen. It's coming. We will have a new president. That's going to happen. But Jesus still sits on the throne. So let's not destroy what his plan is by our words that are being spoken. Please think first before you get in this political ugliness that's going on in our society today. Talk less. Action number three, talk less. See, your chances of blowing it with your words are more are directly proportional to the amount of time you spend with your mouth open. Sometimes we just need to say a few less words. Abe Lincoln said, It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. There's some good wisdom in that. Calvin Coolidge said, I have never been hurt by anything I did not say. 
Sometimes we go and say something and then we've hurt somebody or hurt ourselves even. Proverbs 10, 19 says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Too much talk. Sometimes we just get into sin and in trials and and struggles and hardships and hurt people just because we let our mouths get going. Sometimes it's best to kind of shut it down and just not speak. Hear about the woman who had a very serious stroke condition? She had a serious stroke condition and her vocal cords were greatly being affected and she was losing her voice and barely had any voice left and she went to the doctor and the doctor, after doing an evaluation, made a recommendation and said, my recommendation is that you spend six months without talking. Could you imagine? I'm sorry for that doctor who had to make that recommendation. Could not imagine telling a lady who is a mother to say, you cannot talk. Six months. Let's see if we can let your vocal cords heal. Let's see if they'll bounce back. Let's see if we can stop this condition that you're going through. And so what she did is whenever she needed her kids, she blew a whistle. She would blow a whistle. They'd come over and she'd use a notepad and write on there, go clean your room. She'd blow a whistle. She'd write on a notepad and say, go, go fold your laundry. Write a whistle. Can you help me out? And, he, you know, whatever she needed, she would write it down for them to see it. And then she would use that. And for six months, that went on. After six months, her voice came back. And when she was asked about it, what it was like to communicate only writing, she said this. She said, you'd be surprised how many notes I crumbled up and threw into the trash before I gave them to anyone. Seeing my words before anyone heard them had an effect that I don't think I can ever forget. You've probably been in that experience. You're typing a letter to somebody. You're handwriting a note to somebody. You've started over and you rewrite and you start over and you rewrite. We need to be doing that in our social media realms before we hit send. Read it. Oh, maybe I need to delete it. Maybe I don't need to post that. But if we were to take the time to write, we always change when we write. Ah, oh, that would sound better. Oh, that sounds harsh. We try to change things around because we would talk less. Action number three or four, build others up. The Bible continuously reminds us to encourage one another with our words. And we need to ask ourselves, is, are we speaking words of death or are we speaking words of life? Words that, that energize people, that, that lift people up. Proverbs 12.25 says, Worry weighs a person down, and encouraging word cheers a person up. I think we are interacting with people on a daily basis that needs to be cheered up. We live in a society where people are constantly worrying. They're worrying about their job. They're worrying about tomorrow. They're worrying about their kids. They're worrying about the, the election. They're worrying about the next storm. They're worrying about the next uh, attack that's going to be a vital attack of some kind. People are overwhelmed with worry today. And we, the church, have an opportunity to speak words of kindness that will cheer somebody up, words of encouragement that will lift somebody that will cheer them up. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I mean, look at that passage. Don't let any talk that is unwholesome, in other words, words that destroy or words that hurt, come out of your mouth, but only speak something that builds something, somebody up. Stop and think with me for a moment. Who do you need to speak some kind words to this week? Who needs to be built up? Who needs to be cheered up? Is it your spouse? Have the words in your home lately been too destroying where where you're hurting each other and what you're speaking? Is it your child? Maybe it's your son or your daughter. Instead of getting on them, they just need a word of encouragement. Say, hey, you're doing a good job. Keep on going. I love you. Is it a neighbor? 
who's maybe walking through something, and you can come over and share just a, a word of encouragement, a word to cheer them up? Is it a school teacher who's teaching her children? Is it a police officer who's going through a hard time and all the struggles they're walking through? Is it the store clerk who's ringing in your groceries and they're taking care of that and they've been stressed and they just need you to look at them and smile and say, thank you, you're doing a really good job today. Is it the waiter, the waitress that you're going to go and experience maybe today at lunchtime as they're waiting on you and they're stressed and stuff, us going, where's my food? Why can't they go faster? I wish they were faster. What about looking at the waiter or waitress and saying, thank you today for waiting on me. You're a wonderful waiter, a wonderful waitress. Where can we, the church, just spread words that will help build people up? That's what James is telling us to do. James is saying we can use words that are kind and words that build up because when people see that, they start to see a glimpse of who Christ is. Action number five. Some in this room might need heart surgery. You might need to go through heart surgery. See, the problem is not our mouth. The problem is our heart. Our heart. Why is it so hard to say kind things with our tongue? It's because the Bible says that in our strength, we will never tame our tongues. Where does all the garbage come from that comes out of our mouths? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 12 and Matthew 15. He said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, lies, and slander. Three times. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He goes, lies and slander. Three times he addresses that in those two passages. Addresses what's coming out of the mouth starts with what's in the heart. That's why I started with, number one, fill your mind, fill your heart with God's word. See, as you fill your mind and your heart with God's word, there's a better chance that that will come out of you instead of slanderous or lies or words that hurt and tear down. I believe there's a direct correlation. The more you're in this, the better your tongue will be. The more you're in this, the more your words will build up and your words will point people towards Christ. See, God doesn't want you to leave this service today with a tongue that is out of control. He says, I want to do heart surgery on you. He wants you to tame your tongue totally, and it won't be done in your own strength. It won't be done in your willpower. It won't be done in determination. It's our natural state. The tongue is a restless evil. It's out of control. And that's why James says, how is it that a, a tongue is so small? He makes a comparison to the rudder on the ship. The rudder on the ship can control the entire ship, and the tongue can control the entire person. There's only one way to get control of that, and that is let God do heart surgery and give you a new heart as you get to know Christ. For some, that new heart just needs to be a heart of repentance. A heart that says, Lord, I've not been honoring you, and heart, I've I got to start over, and God, I need fresh newness. It's like a ferocious beast that will not be subdued, and like a serpent that's full of deadly poison. And James says the way to do that is you need a new heart. I, I really like the illustrations that James uses. I mean, he shows us the power of tongue. He talks about putting a bit in a horse and how you can control a horse, and he talks about a rudder in a ship, and he talks about a, a small spark to start a fire, and those are some good, good illustrations. I, I wanted to give you an illustration, though, today with something that we would see every single day, because probably most of us today are not going to the farm and getting on a horse. Maybe a few in here are, and you understand that analogy. Most of us probably have never been down and, and rebuilt or worked on fixing a rudder of a ship. I mean, we've been on a cruise, and you know something's controlling it, but we haven't seen it. Ah, you may see a fire in a fire pit, may have one every now and then. It's not something you interact with every single day. And so I want to show you something you interact with every single day to help you think about this 
uh, Brian Williams, will you help me out for a second? Nothing hard. Come on up here for a second. And over there, I have a bowl and a box. Will you just grab that and come on up here on stage with me? You don't have to do any, anything funny or crazy. Just hold that bowl. You're just being my Vanna White. Okay, so stand over here. They can see with the Broncos on. And there it is, Vanna White with Broncos on. You all familiar with this? What is that? Toothpaste. Did you use this today? Okay, that's a good thing. We didn't plan this ahead of time, so I'm glad you did. Um, I know that I would say most of you use this today. Now, there's some junior high boys over there. I'm not really sure. They may not have. I understand. Or maybe some junior high girls. Sometimes it's hard to get some of the kids to use this every single day. Our, our goal is to get our kids to use it twice a day. I, I think they're almost there, but not, maybe not quite, not all the time. But this is toothpaste. We're familiar with this. And if you consider this toothpaste your mouth, what do we do? We speak words. And sometimes the words are good and sometimes they're bad. But words come out of our mouth and daily they come out. And they may be words that say, I love you. Or they may be words that say, you're an idiot. You're a fool. Why would you do that? They may be words of lies. They may be words that destroy. They may be words that are not truth. I mean, we use all kinds of words every single day. I, I hope as a church, this is what James is getting to. James is saying, I hope, church. I, I implore you, church. I beg you, church. Don't let them be words that come out of your mouth that destroy. Don't let them be words because you can start a fire, a forest fire. Don't let them be words that, that hurt people. Use your words to build up because words honor people. And the thing is, is as you use your words you will never run out of words like this tube is starting to run out of toothpaste. But there's one thing that we have in common with this. And Brian's going to demonstrate. Brian, will you put the toothpaste back in there, please? It's not possible, is it? We could cut the end off, okay? He, you're, you're an engineer kind of person, aren't you? Like, there's, there's, a, there's a solution, right? Truth be told, there's probably no way I could pick this toothpaste up and start stuffing it in there and put it back, could I? And you know that. There's no way I'm going to put them back in. That's very similar to our words. Once your words come out, you can't take them back. Once they've been spoken, there's no way to get them back in. Yes, you can apologize. Yes, you can say, I'm sorry. Yes, you can say, I didn't mean to say that. But words, once they're spoken, they will never, they'll never go back. That's why I'm telling you, church, we've got to be people that are in the Word. We've we got to think before we speak. We've got to consider, are our words that our words are going to build up? Because just like this tube of toothpaste, you'll never put them back. Once they're spoken, they're either going to build up and help somebody, or they're going to hurt and they're going to destroy. Thank you, Brian. I'll take this from you. Appreciate your help. You're a good Vanna. I want you, church, tonight when you're going to bed, and you pick up your tube of toothpaste and you go to brush your teeth before you go to bed. I'm assuming you're going to do that. I want you to use that as a time to go, Lord, what words have I spoken today? Have I spoken any words today that just destroy? Have I spoken any words today, Lord, that, that don't honor you? Because when you're brushing your teeth, you can be thinking about that. And then you ask God for forgiveness and ask, as I go to sleep, prepare me tomorrow to speak good words. And you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth. You pull it out and you say, Lord, as I'm brushing my teeth today, start putting a heart in me to think about my words. Put a heart in me to have words that will build up and not destroy. Put, in a, put a heart in me that will give words of encouragement that will cheer somebody up. 
we have a great opportunity, church. We have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We have the opportunity to point people towards hope. We have the opportunity to bring joy to somebody's life if we're willing to speak words that will honor and words that will build up and words that will lift up Christ. See, and I think James tells us why. If you consider verse 9 and 10, it says, With the tongue we praise our our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. This should not be. Why? Because the people that we interact with, they they are God's creation. And when we speak words that are ill, we're destroying God's creation. But when we speak words that build up, we're lifting up God's creation. And then we're pointing people to a Christ, a Savior who loves them by the way we speak. What kind of words will you speak this week? You're going to speak words that build up or you're going to speak words that destroy? See, if you never allow Jesus to change from inside out, that's where it begins. It begins with Him working inside of us so that we can present Christ in a way that shows people we serve a God who cares, we serve a God who wants to encourage, we serve a God who gave us His Son, Jesus, they're not going to hear that until they first experience words that point them to that Savior. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. And Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to hear from one of Your servants, James, on how to live lives in Christ that speak words that honor, speak words that build up, speak words that bring cheer, speak words that bring life to people. Father, I pray and ask that you would give us those kinds of words in us. Father, help us as we speak words to stop and think before we speak. Help us to speak words that that will bring kindness. Help us to speak words that bring life. Help us to speak words that bring joy. Help us to speak words that will bring healing to people. Help us to speak words, Lord, that will help people overcome worry and concern. May our words, Lord, honor you. Father, you spoke and your son Jesus followed your direction of going to the cross. He did that for us. And Father, we say thank you as we celebrate that in communion this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.